everybody welcome welcome to yet another edition of an evolved review i'm your host james caleb kitchens i am joined as always by the man that watches more wrestling than anybody i know caleb stovall of stovall wrestling network caleb how's it going man it's, it's going good and, and you know just to prove your point on that i got my all aew fandom going on right here so i see that hat shirt everything you gotta get the hoodie the shades I, oh, I know. See, see, that was not planned. It just sort of happened this way. And then, like, when we started, I was just like, oh, crap. <laughs> well, without any further ado, I want to uh, welcome our guest here today from the Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast, Nick McDaniel. Nick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, buddy. Glad to do this, man. Uh, you'd mentioned it to me a while back, and I was like, absolutely, man. You know me. I mentioned to do more stuff that's not our stuff i guess is the best way and i think this is the best way to jump into it. it's yours man it's cool man we got all these different you know podcasts you know kind of coming together to do this kind of special thing for uh you know for dark side of the ring and we've recently started expanding out into some other stuff so uh, i'm excited about it so today we're talking about dark side of the ring uh last of the von erics uh so if you haven't seen this episode of dark side of the ring uh, it's made by Vice. You can go check it out. Uh, it's on uh, Hulu. It's on uh, Google Play. It's on YouTube. So there's a ton, ton of places. You know, just Google it. You know, it's it's 2020. Just Google it, and uh, <laughs> you know, it'll come up everywhere. You can see it. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we got a pretty tragic episode today. So as most of these are. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, go go watch it, and then come back and check us out. Um, so going into this you know this is one of the reasons i was really excited that you picked this topic nick uh is you know we typically let our guests you know pick which episode they want to do or that they have some sort of personal connection to um you know the von eric legacy kind of predates uh caleb and myself uh you know from what we would have watched you know coming up so um you know what were your thoughts you know both when on the Von Erics in general, and then when you heard Dark Side of the Ring was going to do an episode on this, like coming into it. Well, the, like you said, I'm probably one of the few people old enough to actually remember watching this stuff live. That was kind of when you asked me about why I picked this one. And I think that was the reason I gave you. I said, look, I'm probably one of the few people you know old enough that watched the Von Erics. Um, luckily here in Atlanta, uh, we're going to tie two topics together. Um, the Joe Petticino, who just recently passed, had a block here in Atlanta and the world class was on that block that we got to watch every Saturday. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I was alive. Yes. I watched David Von Eric Russell, you know, I, you know, Fritz was a little before, obviously before my time, but all of the Von Eric boys I saw coming up, coming through. Um, and we'll get into some of this later about obviously David was the star. David was truly, a, he was a very good, if not great wrestler. Um, the other guys, um, what people won't can't really I don't think now can understand is how popular those kids were in Texas. I mean, you know, Jim Cornette does a good job of kind of putting that hat. They were like rock stars. I mean, they were when they walked out to the ring, the girls just went crazy. I mean, it was that, you know, you always hear about on the south, southeastern coast. You always hear about that rock and roll express pop where the girls screamed. It was so high very much the same exact thing as what you experienced in world class where the girls just went crazy in front of the Von Erics from day one. And uh, I think it, the further we get away from that, and of course the the stuff we're going to discuss that happened with them um, kind of tarnishes that legacy, but uh, you just can't, you can't overstate how popular those, those boys were at that time back in, you know, in world class. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's really, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Jim Cornette does a, a really good job of explaining it. it. Almost every speaking piece he has in this episode, yeah. he, you know, he's like, these guys were everywhere. They were in magazines. They were rock stars. You know, they were, you know, everywhere you could see it. They won something in school. You know, it was in, you know, PWI or on TV or, or whatever. Um, Caleb, uh, what was your experience with the Von Erichs, you know, before you watched this episode? Uh, well, not much, unfortunately, um, you know, because, again, it was really before my time uh, and everything like that. Actually, really kind of like the first introduction that I, I like really had to him was seeing um, uh, Kevin's sons, um, David and Marshall um in uh in uh, mlw that was the first time like i saw and then like i was just like oh yeah so they're using the um they're the von erickson and stuff like that and then like i saw uh their dad um he made an appearance in mlw and stuff like that um he did like a little vignette basically saying you know why he didn't wear uh boots or why none of them wore boots actually did any of the boys they they all wrestled barefoot i think um i i think i think carrie uh uh didn't at one point but for the most part they all you know really i guess wore just you know they, they just had their feet and stuff like that and he was you know basically saying yeah it's because you know you don't get winded um as easily and stuff like that and i was like yeah but that probably hurts more <laughs> I would think, but, um, yeah, I didn't really know, uh, much about him, but, uh, I, I had heard about the tragedy of it. I didn't realize how bad that tragedy was though, until I watched, uh, the dark side of the ring, uh, episode. And it just, ugh, it's, it, it sucks because like, you know, Jim Cornette does, a, like you said, a great job of like illustrating how big these guys were. I mean, these guys were basically Hulk Hogan in Texas. You know, they had that they, they could draw that kind of they drew a 42 plus thousand stadium just with them, you know, yeah. just with them. So, I mean, that's just, they had comic books, you know, uh, Kevin talks about, it. he's like, he's like, yeah, we, we were in a comic book, you know, they had commercials, you know, they were, they were, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 kids, basically, before that term even existed, basically, yeah. you know, they, they were just that big. So, um, and it just sucks the way that it all, you know, comes kind of crashing down. Uh, and everything like that, but I'm sure we'll get into it and stuff Definitely. like that. Yeah, I mean the the they were kind of like the Kardashians of Texas, you know. I don't, you know, not to <laughs> not not to slap that label on them, but you know. So so let's talk about Kevin for a second. So because he's he's our first hand kind of narrator into all this, right? I mean the episode's narrated by Dutch Mantel, but but our our kind of first hand window into this whole situation uh, is Kevin because. He is unfortunately the only surviving, you know, Von Eric from that, you know, generation. Um, so, you know, the the thing about the opening of this episode to me that really kind of struck me was like, he's got this house, you know, and this land out in uh, Hawaii. And it's just kind of like this paradise, you know, and he's kind of out there, you know, they show him just kind of enjoying the land and being out there and everything. And it, to me, man, it was just kind of like 
the the first opinion I got of it was like this guy has completely retreated from society from everything and he's just kind of this is like the only way he can deal you know um and i I mean not to say that i i definitely don't blame him for that given all the circumstances here but i think i mean that's just how it hit me you know right off the bat is like this guy has been through the ringer and and (laughs) this is kind of like his refuge kind of uh from it all um so, uh, Nick, what did you, what did you what did you think about uh, you know how they kind of opened this with Kevin? Well, kind of what you're talking about is true that it was it was the uh, window that kind of opens up into the world of the Vinerics, and he Kevin was always even you know way back when Kevin was the the free, you don't want to say the free spirit, but you know the kind of end in nature, the running around barefooted that was kind of his thing. And you're a hundred percent right. I mean, it was just a way for him peacefully. Just, I don't think he could ever live in Texas long-term with everything that happened there. Um, you know, he was always into, you know, like surfing and stuff in Hawaii and all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, the day he basically sold, cause he was like the last, you know, of world-class. So basically, you know, to, he, he did his exceptions. I don't even remember. He did the uh, hall of fame induction for the family. And after that, I mean, he was bolted and gone. I mean, he was Hawaii, and you just don't hear anything from him. Um, and I, and you're right. I can't imagine. I can't wrap my brain around losing all of his brothers. And then, you know, finally, you know, his father. This crazy thing is he lost his father last out of all of them. Um, all the brothers went first. That, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't blame him in the least for just packing up and going out to Hawaii because as crazy as it looks and as – surreal as it may look i mean i'm sitting here thinking if if i could do that they're a worse place to to go into this world and go into seclusion just to escape wrestling and just get kind of in one with nature so yeah well it, so yeah he sold um he sold the wccw library to vince in 2006 mm-hmm. and then he did the hall of fame induction in 2015 um yeah i i mean not everybody has the money to buy a hawaiian refuge uh but if you if you got it i mean that's the place you know that seems like the place to go um caleb what did you think about this i mean it was uh for me this was kind of like my first kind of you know experience with kevin bonner what what did you think about how they opened up with him yeah you could basically tell that like um he had been through it uh, was was basically the first impression I got. And again, you know, I didn't know the full story. So leading it in like that, if, if you don't know the full story like I did, then, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, like what, what happened that was so bad that, you know, you kind of just had to um, get away from everything. But I think it also did a good job of showing that while all of this has happened and yes, he's about to, you know, revisit a very dark time in his life and everything like that. Um, it showed that he was at peace somewhat, you know, like, like, like he's come, you know, he's coming to terms with everything, which I'm, I'm sure he came to terms with it a long time ago. Um, but, you know, he's, he he just seemed like he was at peace. You know, it, it he didn't seem like he was angry. Didn't seem like he was sad. It was it was just like he was just like I'm happy to be here, basically, kind of thing. Um, you know, good for him for finding that peace and solitude. You know, because again, that's 
just everything that he had to witness and go through. It's just, it's unimaginable. I, I, you know, I cannot comprehend it still watching this episode. It's just, ugh. yeah. So uh, let's, let's get into the family a little bit. So, so kind of the, the, the patriarch of all of this is Fritz von Erich, um, who was this like German character. And, and at certain points he actually ran as like a, a Nazi type gimmick, um, you know, and, and to give you the reach of Stu Hart, Fritz von Erich was trained by Stu Hart, yeah. you know, craziness, uh, you know, and uh, so Fritz von Erich comes into it. He settles down back then, you know, Jim Cornette talks about in the episode, Hey, the money was in owning a promotion. And so of course, Fritz von Erich kind of has this like foresight to go ahead and get his sons like out in the spotlight in their early years. Cause he's kind of grooming them, you know, to be these, the stars of his, um, promotion. Um, Nick, do you remember, like, did you hear about them when they first got into wrestling or had you heard about them before? Uh, it was when they broke in. I mean, obviously, cause I didn't live in Texas, right. so I didn't, there was a lot, you know, we weren't exposed to it then, but as those kids were breaking in, like you knew, obviously, cause like, okay. So I knew who Fritz von Erich was. I had seen him, you know, um, and he particularly for the most part was a heel, but like you said, once he, you know, like I said, he got world-class and he started the own promotion, uh, which is something I wanted, you know, I, we talked about off air a little bit. One of the things I wanted to discuss about the reasons why you take your kids and you, a lot of people aren't familiar with today, how it used to be in the territories that, you know, why would he be grooming his kids so early? Because in the territory days, you know, a guy would come in and he would work for three months and go like, okay, I hate Texas. I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Carolinas to work or whatever. So you groom yourself or your kids to be the face of your territory, because that's eventually the only real people you can trust with your promotion. So of course, shove your kids, especially when you've got, you know, as many as he had, he's got a fountain of, you know, just shoving. I go, I've got a plethora of kids that I can, you know, make, put at the top to be the face of my company for a long, long time. Yeah. And, and, and why would you not? I mean, you know, it's, it's like you said, you, other, other people are going to come in and you're going to bring in stars from other territories and things like that. That's how it worked back then. But the people that are going to be your bread and butter, that you're going to make your living off of, that you're going to put your belts on, that's got to be either family member or somebody that you could you just completely trust is going to be loyal to you, and not to mention at, at a certain point in time you got Vince McMahon out here trying to buy up everything, so you want people that aren't going to go to Vince, and they're going to be loyal to you. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the way it goes. Um, so, I think the I think the Von Erich that was the most mainstream that everybody kind of was the most familiar with was probably Carrie. I know that he was the only one that I was familiar with prior to this. Was that the same for you, Caleb? Yeah, he was definitely uh, the name. Like, anytime you heard the Von Erich name, um, you know, I, I guess in my generation, it was it was definitely Carrie was the first name uh, that came to mind. And then, you know, surprisingly for me afterwards, it would be Kevin. Like, I, I remember Kevin and Carrie, 
And then, you know, I didn't really know about David and Mike and all of them. But yeah, Carrie Von Eric uh, was definitely uh, the biggest name. And, you know, how could he not be? I mean, look at him. I mean, he, he is the he is the poster boy for what a wrestler looks like, you know, like just that the good looking guy. He's buff. You know, he looks like he can whoop your ass and stuff like that. But then, you know, the girls just get all over him. But the kids love him and everything. Well, that's like a promoter's dream right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got um, this episode has very few speakers. Um, a lot of the other episodes have you know, kind of a plethora of people from different angles, but this one, the three people that we mainly talked to other than Kevin are David Manning, who was a booker and a referee for WCCW, Mm -hmm. um, Jim Cornette, and of course, Uncle Dave, Dave Meltzer. Um, I thought it was interesting (laughs) that Meltzer and Cornette were on the same episode, and I'm, I'm guessing they just didn't mention to the other person that the other, that they were interviewing the other guy because maybe I don't know maybe the Russo stuff but <laughs> Cornette Russo stuff blew up in their face I don't know, um, but uh, what did um so what did you guys think about um kind of the speakers here that we have and and kind of their perspective on the whole situation? Well, you know, a lot of the dark side of the ring episodes, some of it have to do with like a murder mystery almost. You know, like even the Benoit thing is a mystery still. This one is not really a mystery. You know, it's it's I don't think that they needed too many outside uh, voices. They just needed, you know, really Kevin, obviously. And then David Manning, who, yeah, he helped uh, work in world class championship wrestling. You know, he helped with a lot of the booking and stuff like that uh, as well. So. Um, I don't think that they needed a lot, but you know, if you're going to have anyone tell the story of anything on wrestling, you might as well have Jim Cornette in there as well, because he's <laughs> I, seriously after watching this series, like I'm convinced he's definitely like, he's up there with Paul Heyman when it comes to speaking on the mic. It's just, it's amazing. Um, and then the, uh, Meltzer thing. Yeah. When I saw Meltzer there, What's funny was is they showed him like with a bunch of like papers around him and stuff like that. Like his like his room looked like crap, and I was just like, "Wow, you think with all those uh, with all those papers you could come out with the true story or something like that?" <laughs> Dang. Well, he gets the he gets the luck of being considered one of the journalists in you know wrestling. So he's and he's the biggest name other than Keller. Yeah. So of course when they're any documentary he doesn't know any better when they're looking for somebody to be the voice of right that's the, that's the journalist they think of um Cornette, i mean Cornette was there i mean Cornette and the midnight express tore through a lot of territories back in the day and like i said i'm, I'm old enough i actually remember you know them going through there um you know and then you know i mean manning was the basically the inside voice and uh you're not saying that kevin wasn't honest but kevin's not going to say certain things Cause he, that's his brothers. I mean, you know, so then David Manning's going to give you a little more, you know, of the truth behind it. Cause he was, he was there. And so that's, I think that's kind of how you had that. And cause like you said, with Cornette, when you go back to him, he paints a really good picture of what really, you know, happened. And he, I always say he's not just the artist drawing the sketch. 
he's also the guy who can put the colors and the inker, if you will, and go in and add a little dimension to it as well. So, yeah, I mean, Cornette is kind of Cornette doesn't have any loyalties here, you know. So it's like, uh, you know, David Manning and, and and Kevin might say, you know, he was having a hard time, and then Cornette comes in with, yeah, he was on drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And Cornette's going to give you the the truth in the in at least in this instance. Uh, and and Meltzer, uh, I'm surprised he hasn't been on more of these episodes, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of his, you know, I, I kind of want to start running down the family a little bit because uh, that's probably the easiest way to go through this. Most of his commentary was about Mike, uh, Dave Meltzer's, because I'm guessing that's probably more, that's probably around the time he was probably really involved with this kind of thing is when Mike was trying to come into it. But let's talk about the original, you know, three that get into wrestling. So I, I, I do want to mention, and they talk about this briefly in the episode, and I, I missed it when I watched it, but um, the very first Von Erich child was J- was Jack Von Erich. Mm-hmm. who died in 1952 at, at the age of like six years old. So that was kind of a, a precursor, mm-hmm. you know, before these guys even get into wrestling, they've already lost a young child. Um, and then the three that sort of break into it, uh, you know, uh, break into the wrestling scene are Kevin, David, and Carrie. And this is like the height of everything. This is when everything is going great. They're, you know, these are the stars are on top of the world. Um, you know, during this era, uh, Nick, uh, you know, you mentioned to me a little bit earlier off mic that, you know, David was like the wrestler. Um, you know, he was the he was the Owen, I guess, of, of the group. Um, you know, so talk a little bit about him because they really fo- they focus on his, I think, death and how much people absolutely loved him more than anybody. He yeah, David originally, because like I said, I I was old enough to remember this vividly david was the yellow rose of texas i mean literally that's i mean that's the way that you could describe him david was a real wrestler and i don't mean that to despairing you know to disparage any of the others but david was the chosen one david was going to be the nwa world champion when that meant something um he was i mean it was all fair all well and good um the match that Kerry won was david's match like David was going to be crowned the champion that day. And of course it didn't happen with his passing. Uh, and so you got to remember a different time when people look at him now in a magazine article or something, you know, he doesn't look like today's wrestler necessarily, but he reminded me, if you want a good analogy to somebody that's probably closer to your age that you'll remember was Barry Windham. And what I mean by that is that's how naturally gifted he was for that time period that he was he was going to be like the one and unfortunately wrestling was you know it wasn't meant to be um he passed away you know in that hotel room mm. you know and then so but we all thought i mean literally like as kids i remember saying david von eric's going to be the world champion he's going to beat rick flair yeah i mean you talk about the list of people who have beaten rick flair for the NWA heavyweight title. People on that list include Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, um, uh, Ronnie Garvin, Ricky Steamboat, Sting. I mean, it is a who's who of wrestling in that era. I mean, you didn't, you know, it, it's funny because all those names I mentioned, it's like one of them, Flair, another one, Flair, you know, 
Flair was the guy. I mean, the the whole uh, to be the man that that you know he lived that and was that in the world of wrestling back then. Um, yeah, I mean, so you know, this could have gone a lot differently if if David had been able to face him. I don't want to cut you off, but you're absolutely right. That's where I was going to go. I don't know that if David Von Erich wins this title, it doesn't drop back to Ric Flair that fast. David was traveling the world. David was okay with being the traveling NWA champion. Lots of those guys that you named weren't built for it. They were meant to win it and drop it back to Rick and Rick travel. If David doesn't die, we may not see a 22 slash 16 time Ric Flair champion. David Von Erich could have been that guy. Yeah. It would have changed wrestling history. Um, so, you know, uh, Caleb, what did you think about the the kind of circumstances surrounding his, you know, his passing and like how they found out about it? Because he was he was wrestling for all Japan at the time. Um, I mean, it, it it's one of those like freak accident things. Um, you know, I, the, the story is not far fetched or anything like that. Like, um, that actually, you know, can happen to you and stuff like, and we don't have, or they didn't have, you know, the modern medicine that we have, you know, today, even, uh, back then. So, I mean, it, it just, it, 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 it sucks, but I, I want to talk about the event though itself. Uh, you know, when, when Carrie uh, challenges Ric Flair for the NWA uh, champion, uh, that moment that he pins Ric Flair's shoulders to the mat, that right there is a real crowd. Re- like that's an emotional crowd reaction right there. They all felt that moment. That That's a moment right there that is just, is real. You know, like, like you can say whatever you want to about wrestling or whatnot, but that that moment was real and it's it's one of those reactions that it's like you know people wish that they could get today you know kind of thing yeah i mean it i i would i would say that it's nearly impossible to create that kind of moment mm-hmm. today i mean the most recent thing that comes to mind that that could be close would be like daniel bryan wrestlemania 30 mm-hmm. you know and then or hell even kofi kingston's I, I wouldn't even put that one. I mean, it yeah. was monumental, but I wouldn't put it on. I wouldn't put it there. You know. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit off air, and I was I was trying to take I was trying to set the table of like how that generation, you know, my generation when we watched it. So, I got to watch this match the next week. Believe it or not, they showed it on that Superstar Wrestling block, so we got to see this match. Like I said, it, it kind of elevates to tell you how how over and how beloved the Von Erichs were that. Mm-hmm. A, this match was, this was David's match. So it didn't happen. So the NWA agrees to do the, we're going to give it to Kerry. Um, they quickly found out he wasn't built for to be a champion. So it was going to be a train, you know, we're going to give them this moment at the, at the parade of champions, May 6th. This was such a big deal. Did you, did you know this one pro wrestling illustrated match of the year in 1984? Like that's how big of a deal this was. This was your match of the year back when the PWI match of the year meant more than anything you know, the, the, the awards from Pro Wrestling Illustrated was mm-hmm. the biggest thing you could possibly hit in wrestling. And that's, that crowd, that's they went nuts because those boys were so loved, their family member just won the title is the way people looked at it back then. Yeah. And here's, and here, you know, here's to really illustrate how big they were. 
if you if you've ever seen Stone Cold Steve Austin's DVD, he talks about how he got into wrestling. He doesn't mention Hulk Hogan or or anybody like that. You know, he, he doesn't mention that. He mentions one thing: the Von Erics and the Freebirds. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if it, you know, be, being in Texas, you know, the, growing up, this they, they were they were the heroes. You know, they were it. And, and I think that this episode, uh, you know, through Jim Cornette, through Dave Meltzer, through David Manning, they do a great job of illustrating to someone who is not, you know, super familiar with their legacy, just how big it was, especially in Texas. Um, but, you know, you talk about the, you know, you get to the point where you're winning the NWA title from Ric Flair. That's now a global event in this era, um, you know. So, and they and they talk about how, you know, they were going to Israel, Japan. Um, they don't mention it, but they probably were going all over North America, probably Canada, Mexico, wherever. Um, you know, and and just to touch on David's death for a second here, because this is kind of the, this was kind of the avalanche, right, that set off all the rest of the tragedies. Mm -hmm. The what he passed away from was uh, gastroenteritis, which mm -hmm. if you look it up today, it's considered like a common minor issue right but i mean he died from it and it is a terrible way to die i mean you basically basically his intestines basically swelled up and he bled to death from the inside I mean, it's a terrible terrible way to die but oh. i mean they talk about the kind of pressure that they were under from their father like it didn't matter if you're sick you you go make your booking you know and that's something that it's kind of it's easy to comprehend when you're talking about like a you know a, an indie worker making a booking four hours away but this guy was wrestling in japan you know he was going to the airport and flying across the planet to make these bookings um so yeah i mean honestly if he'd made it to a doctor he might have been okay but it's just it's just wild to think that you know not you know just over th just over three decades ago you know this kind of situation that we consider minor now led to someone's death. Um, so they have the parade title changes hands. The family's devastated. Uh, and you know, this is where, as I said, the avalanche kind of starts coming down, uh, on the, uh, Von Eric family. So they're trying to, they're trying to replace, um, the, you know, kind of the, sh the empty shoes that David left. Uh, and their efforts to do this are not not good. <laughs> so the first thing that they try to do, we got to talk about the fake Von Eric. Uh, we got to talk about Lance for a second. Uh, Nick, did you were you watching when this happened? Yeah, uh, and like you said, and the reception that you hear is a hundred percent accurate because forever he was so open and pushed those boys out into the media. And you bring in a family member who you've never heard of before. You had seen built as another, he was billed as another wrestler. So yeah. people like knew this wasn't legitimate. So that's why there was such a pushback on it is everybody knew that it's like, this guy's not a Von Eric. We are emotionally invested in the Von Erics. That is who we love. That is who we care about. Don't bring somebody else in here. It, the equivalent today, and it's even a stretch today, which is horrible to say because I'm such a big fan of their father, 
it would be like Cody and Dustin bringing in somebody else and saying there are roads. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, there's not another roads. We know these are the roads boys. You know what I mean? And so try to wrap your mind around that. That's the equivalent of what we got. It wasn't a brother. They were, it was a cousin, but we knew that wasn't true. And so, yeah, yeah it would, you know, it's, it would, it was the equivalent of somebody being shoved down your throat today before people were being shoved down your throat. I love your example. I was going to say Rick, but it's not impossible that Rick has a bunch of little babies running around. Exactly. Uh, an illegitimate flair out of nowhere. That's, that's entirely possible. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, Charles Robinson, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a reference. A little Nate. Exactly. A little Nate. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, you know, that's kind of, um, you have to remember in this era, it wasn't a work to people yet. And the Von Erich legacy certainly wasn't a work to anyone. They believed in this. I mean, you know, they were heroes, these guys. People believed in that this was an athletic competition. So for you to all of a sudden say, hey, this guy's now playing this character. He's a Von Erich. You're you're lifting the veil in a way that no one wanted and doesn't do you any kind of justice for your, for your product. Um, before we go too far forward, this is something I skipped over I want to mention. I thought it was interesting that the guy they got on the phone when Dave passed away was Bruiser Brody. I mean, we always talked about how big he was in Japan. Uh, shameless plug, that episode is coming up. Or, well, by the time this airs, it will have been last week. So you can go check out the Bruiser Brody episode. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Bruiser Brody was, like, the guy that communicated all this. And we know how big and strong and, like, just, you know, tough he was. And when Kevin started talking about him breaking up on the phone, man, that, that really, like, hit me, you know, that just how big of a deal that it all was. Uh, but Lance, I mean, I I don't know why they pulled this game. It's clear that Kevin was very against it. Uh, and, and it's clear that I think David Manning was against it. I'm guessing that their father is the one that mm-hmm. kind of pushed this. Um, they, I'll give you the reasons. I'll give you two reasons why this happened. Not to cut you off, sorry, but but we're going no, to. Please. We were clearly going to discuss the two reasons shortly. This is why he gave, he was given the opportunity because the other two alternatives, their dad knew wasn't the, the answer, and that's Chris and Mike or Mike and Chris if we go in order. But you know, eventually we get there. But then you're going to go, okay, now that makes sense why we went there. Right. Yeah. I mean. It's definitely an interesting choice. It's hard to say in hindsight if it was worse. Because, I mean, of course, they ended up putting Mike and Chris in there anyway, eventually. So, you know, maybe Mike would have had a a better shot if you don't water the product down with Lance first. You know, but, you know, that's like trying to call the Super Bowl the next day. Um, So we bring Mike in. And, and so what did you think about this, Caleb, uh, about when, you know, when they kind of start to introduce the, that I, I hate, I'm just going to throw it throughout the, the B team, Von Eriks trying to bring them in. Um, well, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's an attempt to revive the popularity that they once had or, or, and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you can just tell by looking at them 
you know, that they were not cut out for this business. You know, that's not to say that they didn't love it any less or anything like that. It's just, you know, some people's bodies are not cut out for this business. It's a tough road. It's 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 a tough business. And they just were not going to be able to uh, to handle it. Um, but, you know, it just seemed like their father was, was just like, well, if we can't have, you know, the fake one work, then I got to at least try with these guys, basically. Um, and that was probably his biggest mistake. Yeah, I mean, I, I my opinion from the episode is that they were trying not to paint uh, Fritz in a negative light, but I feel like there was like an undertone of this is their dad's expectations. And I think he was hard on these boys that, you know, this is the family business and it's on your shoulders and it's relying on you. Um, you know, would you agree with that, Nick? Oh, 110%. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, and I, I, there's a fine line and it's funny when we cover topics like this, that you feel like you walk a fine line of saying the wrong thing or like a, the right thing for the wrong reasons, maybe um, without trying to, you know, disparage the name of Mike Von Eric, you just looked at Mike and was like, Mike didn't look well. I mean, at times, like he looked sick. And so you always knew he shouldn't be wrestling. Um, but like you said, the pressures of, of their father, um, that this was their life business. Like this is how they put food on their tables. And basically, I mean, I hate to say it this way, slap saddles on their backs and was going to ride them as long as he possibly could to keep this business going. And probably in his mind justified it because it was the family business. And I'm going to leave this legacy to my kids. You know, this will be how they put food on their table long-term and not realizing what he was doing you know, to them, the pressures of second generation wrestlers is just insane. Third generation and so on. Oh yeah. But also, you know, it, you know, even, um, Kevin even says it about Mike, it, you know, Mike wanted to be in the business. So, you know, you, you kind of also have to look at it that way a little bit too. Like maybe, you know, he wanted in the business. And so his dad is just like, well, if you're going to get in the business, then, you know, yeah. kind of yeah, I mean, but as their but as their fathers, it not his job to realize like you can get into business, but this isn't the the avenue for to get in. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that too. I'm, yeah. I'm not necessarily trying to defend him, but I'm just oh. saying as well, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it was very clear that there was a there were several instances where he had to choose between this is the well being of my kids, this is the well being of my business. And I can't say he chose the kids every time or maybe even a majority of the time based on this, um, you know, not having any firsthand knowledge of it, but that's just how it seems from, you know, what is presented here and kind of the series of events. Well, I don't, Hey Jane, I don't want to throw you out of circle here. This is where I'm going to insert something that we heard last year at WrestleCade. Cause that's the ultimate, what you just said. So at WrestleCade last year, there was a world-class panel. Um, Eric Embry, Baby Doll, Ken Mantell, Black Bart, a bunch of the guys from back in the day were there. And what you just said was exactly it. They were like, there were many nights the Von Eric boys had no business being in the ring. They were already drugged out of their mind. They were drunk or whatever, but their dad still pushed them to the ring because the show had to go on. 
you know, Black Bart tells a story about being literally kicked in the face by Kevin and saying, he doesn't belong in here. He's killing me. You know, he literally beat. So he literally threw him down and went to blows with him in the middle of a match because he was like, this is bullshit. This match is over, you know, because he's, and so if your dad is shoving you out there on nights, you have no business being in the ring. And they were like, if it was just once, it'd be one thing, but it was multiple nights. These kids were shoved out to the ring and had no business being in there. Mm. That's rough. And you know, that's something that today would be all over the dirt sheets, but it was very protected back then. You know, it was something that they were able to, you know, slide up under the rug and, you know, get a bunch of positive publicity out, uh, you know, and they were able to hide all the things that were going on kind of behind the scenes. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's wild to think about now because you could never get away with that today. I mean, there's like little no name indie wrestlers that we know things about their personal lives end up on the dirt sheets, you know? Um, so, um, so we, you know, we kind of go forward a little bit. Um, so we talked about Dave, you know, passing away, being kind of the, the start of everything going downhill here. So we got Mike, he gets injured. He gets a staph infection in his shoulder. Um, and he ends up getting, uh, toxic shock syndrome, which is actually pretty rare in males. Um, and, and he recovers from it miraculously. Um, and then he can't get back into it. He's, he's trying to, you know, to get back in the ring. He can't. And so, you know, one thing leads to another and, you know, finally he, um, ends up basically committing suicide by, uh, overdose in 87. Um, we talk about a family that's already just torn apart by a series of tragedies. Um, you know, what would what would you guys say is kind of the difference between when Dave passed away and when Mike passed away? Kind of the different, you know, the way it's covered and, and just the difference between the two because there's definitely a, a tonal difference here. You're talking about a guy who was the Yellow Rose of Texas, lived that gimmick, and then a guy who desperately was trying to fill the, the shoes that he left. Well, like I said, being there, um, living it. So when David passed there, essentially there's no controversy, you know, at the time we all just tragedy, right. You know, bad things happen in this world. And he was an unfortunate, you know, circumstance that happened. Um, and he passed, um, Mike still, Mike was starting to be the transition because even when he passed, it was, and, and again, not trying to disrespect his name, but it was poor Mike, you know, had the, the illness, he couldn't get back. He wanted to be a wrestler, couldn't deal with the fact he couldn't be back into the ring and committed suicide. So this to me is where I know David seems like that's the beginning. There was never in our brains at that time, you know, in the mo in the time that David was a uh, the curse. The, to me, the curse begins at Mike. Then you start believing, like, okay, so now we've lost Jack at six, who we'd you know, we'd heard so little about, obviously. David passes now Mike passes. So, but you hear the stories of a father burying three sons at this point. Now you're like, okay, now we're starting to get into the, this is a curse, you know? Um, but even still quite then people tried to 
Mike's suicide was just because he couldn't fulfill what he thought his family expected of him. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, and and not to loop them together, but I mean, would you guys say that that Chris is 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 a very similar story? Very much. It's exactly it. That's when. So he dies. Like it's like four years later, I believe, when yeah. he passed. I mean, now we're full we're full fledged into. Is it what's going on? There's a you know the the, the Von Erich curse is in full force, and that's what you start hearing about in pro wrestling. And same exact thing. Chris was just too small. Like, I remember Chris making his debut, and I'm like, what are they doing with their, I mean, this kid, like, we were thinking he was like 13 or 14 years old, you know, and they're trying to throw him in the ring. And it's just because something Caleb said earlier, his body just wasn't built to be a wrestler. I mean, he was just too small. Unfortunately, he was just too small to be a wrestler. Especially back then. when. Oh, yeah. You know, today, it's a different story. I mean, but. We talk about Chris. He was five four, even today. You know, even I mean, you know, even like to be in like AEW today, that's that's still small. Like I don't know how tall Marco Stunt is, but you know, <laughs> we don't have we don't have to go we don't have to go down that <laughs> down, down that road. Yeah, uh, yeah. Marco Stunt is five two. I'm not gonna say anything else about that. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> uh, going forward, uh. Let's talk about Kerry because he's the he's not the one who was built to be a star, but he's definitely the one who was eventually the most famous because he goes on to WWF. Uh, you know, so we're talking about um, you know Chris passed away, so Mike passes away in '87. Chris passes away in '91. At this point, the idea of saddling WCCW on the back of the remaining Von Eriks is lost. I mean, that's that's not the out anymore. Um, so Kerry takes a deal to go work for Vince. Um, I and and just a side note, it, does it seem like all like both good and bad wrestling stories from the '80s have that element? <laughs> like. <laughs> Got the call from Vince McMahon, and then, you know, it either went way up or way down from there. Um, but this is this was the, the thing that really shocked me that as, like, you'd never get away with this today. He had his foot partially amputated and and covers it up. What did you guys think about that aspect of this? That, uh, that part I was like, wait, what? Like... <laughs> Like, like, how the hell did no one notice that in WWE? Like, I had to rewind it and make sure they said what I thought they said. I know. Like, I was just like, wait, I was like, wait, what? So, um, and and here's here's what's funny about that. If if say that did happen today, and someone was able to perform like Carrie was performing on it, I guess, um, they would be like, oh, well, that's that's a great story. Let's use it, kind of thing, you know. So that that part i was just like holy crap so he went to wwe with a partially amputated foot and you're literally they they said it i mean he was literally a little fish in a big pond in wwe um you know he he didn't even look you know like the von erics did in world class championship wrestling walking down the aisles of wwe it just you know and then um who the hell came up with Texas Tornado? It's got Vincent Mann written all over it. 
Yeah. They're just like, wait, what? <laughs> like you have this, you have this huge name, you know, like like this huge last name that people recognize right off the bat. And it's just, I can see it right now. It's Texas Tornado. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, when you have to hide something like that, that is going to weigh on you. Because now you're, because, you know, I'm guessing Carrie probably didn't dress with everyone per se then. He probably was hiding somewhere. And do it like like making sure no one you know saw him like you know kind of thing. I, I you know I don't know they, they didn't, you know they couldn't really say obviously, but um, when you've got something like that weighing on you, and then think of how painful every match had to be at that point. Just you know like I I don't even know I I I, I can't even fathom how he worked on that. So uh, it just that's that's just more pressure and added pressure that just is not necessary but you know you don't handle that kind of stuff very well well pills are how you work through those kind of matches i mean um i mean mean, mean, it's drugs i mean it's you know it's this is a different time in an era where like you said i mean and it's tough and i get it because you know it's funny that i always joke with people that i stretch these two generations of one where we didn't know anything to one where we know everything um, and that's, you know, the carry thing we had heard the rumors that's think about this at rumors that he was wrestling on one foot, you know, or whatever, you know, you're like, wait, how? and then, so it became like a myth. It was like a legend that is, you know, nobody even knew to believe it or not until finally one day it comes out that it was true. Um, and it's, you know, so, well, basically what happens is he gets the offer from Vince and he can choose to stay, you know, and try to save company or go make money and he's basically given the blessing just go make the money i mean so he goes off but what we find out about carrie and why do i feel like i apologize every time i talk about one of the boys it's like i'm like you know you don't want to say it but you know but clearly this shows what the nwa knew you know prior to this that he wasn't built to be uh you know the top guy he wasn't built for the, the bright lights he was i mean to be blunt, he wasn't built for what he was at, what he was in Texas to all that pressure. I mean, and he cracked, I mean, that's, you know, the, the drugs and the, the fame and the fortune His physically Carrie was built. Like you said earlier, he was built like a pro wrestler mentally. Clearly he was not. And I think that ultimately is the downfall of how he ends up with his, with it, with his downfall. And we talked about, you know, we've talked about several times how, rough it was to be on the road for Vincent Mann back then anyway. Um, you know, today there's a lot of precautions and a, and a little bit of a relaxed schedule and things like that. But back then they didn't have any of that. They were making the towns and this is before the network before pay-per-view was the big revenue source. They were drawing gates. That was how they were making the money. That's how you were earning the contract. So, yeah, I mean, once you once you take that step up to where you're on this national level, you're not in this Texas promotion anymore. You're now the WWF, and you're trying to you know you're trying to compete with the likes of the the Hogan's, the the Kurt Hennings, and the, those type of folks. You, you know, if if the the foundation is already crumbling, 
adding all that extra weight on top of it is just going to expedite the process. And I think that's what happened here. And and you guys are right. In in this day and age, if that happened, if he got the foot amputated, he would get it done and continue wrestling, and it would be a spectacle. It'd be mm-hmm. this guy doesn't have a foot, and he's doing all these things that he was doing before. You would use it as I mean, it would be you know the gimmick to an to an extent. You know, maybe it was maybe it's a pride thing. It was a different era. You just didn't do it. Well, you know, he was definitely afraid he was going to lose his deal. I mean, right. he thought that they would they would see it as like, oh, well, he can't work anymore, and they just they let him go, and so it's easier just to show up at the arena with your boots on. Yep. Like I'm already ready. You know, he, I mean, because think about it, you could slide sweatpants over, you know, that because they didn't have the dress code back then. He could literally put his shoes on and stuff at home, slide sweatpants over, go to the arena, and then pull the sweatpants off and say, "I'm ready to go." Yeah. You know, yeah. Terry shows up ready to work, folks. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's completely understandable. And I mean, the Texas tornado thing, I mean, that's clearly Vincent Mann can never own Von Eric as a name. No. So Texas tornado it is, you know. But that, you know, you know I, and, and I joke about Meltzer a, a lot, but he even says it, uh, you know, correctly in the episode. The only thing Carrie had for him was the Von Eric name. You know, yeah. you take that away, then it's just like, oh, nobody. I mean, and I agree, like, if putting on my Booker hat, if you're going to, if you're insisting that, okay, we, we need some kind of IP for this guy. If he does blow up, we want to own the IP. Why not carry Texas Tornado Von Eric, you know, or carry Von Eric the Texas Tornado or something like that. Texas Tornado is already awful, but yeah. you know, slide something around, uh, you know, to make it something. Um, tornado of Texas, yeah. Carrie Merrick. Yeah, I mean it was I mean, all wordplay. Is that the, you know they saddled him with that discus punch, you know yeah. that he had, and that was kind of so that was where the tornado came from. It's the spinning punch, so and it's just they ran with it, and it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, well, Carrie. Uh, so Carrie then goes on to commit suicide in '93, um, and. You know, a lot of people said that he had, and, and you know, you got to think too, suicide awareness was not what it is now. Uh, back then, uh, he had talked to a lot of people about this. Kevin talks about it in the episode that he had talked to him. Bret Hart, um, you know, talks about it in his book that Carrie uh, had talked about it to, to him that he wanted to go be with his late brothers and, you know, that... Um, you know, his marriage had fallen apart and he thought he was just the next one to go in the curse, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, it's really, that that's really tragic, you know, that he was going through all that, but like the, just kind of the awareness of, you know, and like suicide prevention and that sort of thing just wasn't, it just wasn't there back then the, the way it is today. Um, so going forward, I mean, Kevin is now the last one and Jim Cornette says, uh, you know, the, the, the quote, you know, I used to be one of five brothers. Now I'm not even a brother. Heartbreaking. Um, so, you know, we talked about it a little bit previously. Uh, apparently that, you know, it, after this, uh, Doris, their mother, uh, splits from Fritz, their dad, and then their dad comes down with brain cancer. Um, and he goes, and at this point, 
you know, this is where Kevin kind of retreats. I don't know if it was immediately or probably after he had sold the rights to McMahon. I, all that property in Hawaii can't be cheap, right? I mean, there's no yeah. telling what that place is worth. Um, and, you know, and I do want to talk about this um, briefly. You know, we talked about the, the third generation of the Von Erichs. We got Ross and uh, Marshall. Um, that are both doing pretty well. Um, are they still signed to MLW right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with their work either. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I, they had a little part in this documentary. And then uh, I, I mentioned earlier kind of uh, off air that, you know, I thought it was interesting and I would love to know the story about why Lacey Von Eric was not involved in the episode or even mentioned as that myself <laughs> yeah i mean she she had a, a very brief stint with wwe and she was had a pretty um I, you know uh, memorable stint with tna yep you know in the mm-hmm. knockout division she was a champion i think multiple time champion if i'm not uh if i'm not mistaken there for the for tna back when tna was something to get excited about I, agree. Um, I don't think she won the title at all, but she she was with Velvet Sky and Madison Rain at the time. Yeah, um, I I have to you know that that's something you can Google, folks. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean we're uh, you know the the fact that she wasn't in it at all is is interesting to me. I would yeah. I would love to know why she was not involved at all. You would think, but uh, especially with her being, I think she's uh, I know she's Carrie's daughter. I'm not sure if she's his only child or not uh, i want to say he might have had another kid well i can imagine that when you're making a documentary and you know it's the dark side of the ring is the name of it and it's the you know you're talking about your family and you know your dad's probably not going to be painted because i'm sure she knows every even she's probably knows things that were not in this documentary to be honest with you yeah um i can't imagine that she would want any part of this because it, for Kevin, it can be a coping, you know, mechanism, something to kind of like therapeutic and his sons, it's no, you know, it's th- their dad's still here. So, uh, but for Lacey, I could see it being real tough to say, yeah, I'll come on. And you can ask me about my dad, you know, who committed suicide, you know, and you know, we know he was on drugs and we, cause we're clearly all that stuff's going to come out. Yeah. I mean the, so Ross and Marshall are born in 88 and 92 Lacey was born in 86, so she remembers a lot more of this than they yeah. do. I mean, Marshall wasn't even alive for most of the curse, right? I mean, right. and then Carrie would have passed away when he was very young, so I, he probably doesn't have a huge attachment to all of this stuff, you know. But um, anyway, uh, we are starting to run out of time guys. So I want to just kind of get everybody's kind of final thoughts, wrap up on this. Um, Nick, you are, you're our guest. So, um, yeah, what, what's your, uh, kind of final thoughts on this whole documentary, whole episode of dark side of the ring. I think from, you know, especially the, the younger, you know, the fan right now who, who one of the things you can understand out of this episode, or hopefully that it'll help you understand is the pressures that these guys faced back in the territory days. I mean, the, the pressure of their father, the pressure that, you know, was put on them as far as trying to keep his company around, um, not to mention just to live up to the name of their father, um, who was a big star, you know, in his time. 
Uh, and, you know, but then the hardest parts to understand is how rampant drugs were back. And I think the dark side of the ring clearly across the board shows this because lots of the stories are there's drugs involved and everything that could go wrong. And then the sheer tragedy of, like I said, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, as tragic as this curse that everybody believes to believe, could something as simple as David Von Erich not passing away changed all of it? Because I'm my plate, my take on it is if David doesn't die, Mike and Chris never see the ring. Right. Because there's no need. There's three of them. Uh, because what people don't realize, and you you mentioned it earlier, the fabulous freebirds coming there, the, the Von Erichs were going to be stars. The fabulous freebird made them superstars like everywhere and so then it was three on three that's why you needed the third brother right so so but if david doesn't pass does that change the future not just of rick flair's future but across the board do these does this curse not happen because these other two brothers don't have the pressures that they have to you know live up to i mean it's just literally the ripple effect of time of one event can change everything and right. it's just tragic that you see that, you know, with this family. You know, yeah, that that's an interesting perspective. Does does David eventually get the the call up to WWF, or is WCCW so big that they remain a competitor? I mean, yeah, the ripple effect through pro wrestling. Uh I mean, yeah, it, it's it's definitely fun to think about. Hmm. Caleb, what was your uh, final thoughts on this episode as a whole? Well, you know, it's it's a very tragic um, set of circumstances and everything like that um, for this story. Um, you know, I, and I hope I'm not out of line by saying it's, it's still a fascinating story. It is. Like, it, it's a really good episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, We're humans. We find tragedy fascinating. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's I know. It so... You know, it, it's it, it it's a great episode. Um, you know, the the funny thing to me about all of this is is you know they say so much about pro wrestling and and how there's all these tragic events and everything. You would think that you know after what's happened to this family that uh, people like Lacey Ross and Marshall would be like, nope, staying away from that, not even going anywhere near that. They're they are in pro wrestling you know it didn't deter them from wrestling itself uh you know kind of thing so i'm i'm glad for that and and i'm glad that you know the i guess surviving member uh kev or kevin is 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 at peace now with it that's what i really got out of the episode was he's like you know it happened there's nothing I can do about it. So, you know, I'm at, I'm at peace with it. And, and his sons, man, I'm telling you, I, I think VPW should book them. If, 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 if you get the chance, like, wow. like they, they are really good um, from, from what I've seen in MLW, the stuff that they've done with Tom Lawler, the stuff that they were doing with Contra unit um, and MLW. I, I mean, dude, they, they look like naturals obviously, you know, they're just, they're natural. Um, Lacey, I don't know what she's doing and everything, but I do remember her in TNA. And that was something I was wondering about the episode. If, you know, why wasn't she in there? But yeah, she probably didn't want to talk about too much of that. Um, 
it's a little bit more painful for her, maybe, uh, I guess, you know, so I, I don't know. But overall, I love the episode. It's a very, um, you know, tragic uh, story. And it does make you wonder if David had never died, you know, w- w- would the family still be alive today, prospering in the wrestling business kind of thing? You know, I mean, they could be bigger than Vince McMahon at this point, you know, I mean, think about this. You know, you go and you look at that Kerry Von Eric versus Ric Flair matchup. There were 42 plus thousand people in a stadium for that show. The only wrestling promotion that ever does those numbers is WWE. Right. So, I mean, just especially back in those days, you know, if you weren't the WWE and possibly the NWA, you weren't you weren't drawing those kind of houses. Well, kind of WWE wasn't even running those numbers back then. WWF wasn't oh, running yeah. those. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, for I always joke and tell people for a fat kid in Georgia watching it, I mean, it was a big, you know, Texas world class was huge. And it was all built on the shoulders of those Von Eric kids. Yeah. Well, it, um, like I said, it's it's a great uh, episode. And again, I say if you really want to see how popular they were, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, the biggest wrestler in history at this point. Um, he he even said he's like he's like that's what got me into pro wrestling mm-hmm. was yep. that feud. The biggest draw in history, at least. Yeah. Which, if you want to oh. talk about the business aspect, that's what counts. Yeah. Uh, but we could probably do a whole episode about that. <laughs> Um, Nick, man, thank you for joining us today. Um, tell us, uh, you know, I'm sure our audience wants to hear more from you. Tell us where they can hear more from you, uh, with, with, uh, tapped out, man. Well, I mean, you know, Hey, look, uh, any forms of social media, we're easy to find. We are at tapped out pod. It's kind of a branding thing that I'm big on. Um, you know, but as far as the show, we're on pretty much any platform you find a podcast on Apple podcast, Google podcast, all that good stuff. Just search us, Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast, and subscribe. We always encourage that. Um, but, of course, we do a video show. You know, it's on YouTube. I don't push our YouTube channel because YouTube pays squat. I'm blunt um, for, for, for pro wrestling. So if you'd like to watch it there, go ahead. Um, but on Facebook, every Thursday night at 630, if you follow our page, we air our episode. We premiere it weekly, Thursday, 630 p.m., right there. So you can sit. And uh, I'm pretty interactive. I'll actually comment um it's not live live i mean it's live to tape and so i'll sit there and watch and as people want if they have questions i'll answer them back and so i try to be as interactive as possible unless the wife has got me tied up with dinner or something like that so always man check us out tapped out wrestling podcast man we we'd love to have you know subscriptions and likes and all that good stuff everywhere so that's you know and we try to we cover everything man it's not just the national stage we talk about obviously local you know george andy wrestling as well um, and we just try not to, I'll tell you this, and then I'll let you go. We try not to sit here and talk. This is what happened on raw. This is what happened on SmackDown. This is what we try to take the, what we call the, like the, the mega topics and, you know, break it down versus like little details. There's a million and one small podcast, um, you know, just like us that are talking about what happened on raw. We, we want to just make your brain work and make you think that's kind of what we want to do. Uh, and encourage those discussions so because that's what we like discussion so check us out and if and if they sign up for your uh, patreon they can get it early i I know that's how i watch it 
uh, before everyone else. And uh, yeah, man, and it's 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 an awesome podcast. Check it out. We we definitely took a cue from you guys. You know, we we air this every Sunday at eight p.m. Just because that that fan engagement, um, you know, is just I I think it's a you know people really like it, and I think it's a sticking point. So you know, we definitely took a cue from you on that. Uh, you know, making sure every week, same time, people know where they can get it. So right, well, like you said, and I'm sorry, I do want to plug that because you brought it up. Patreon.com forward slash tapped out pod. I wasn't gonna um, let you, you know, get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we do put it out early as basically as soon as we're done recording the episode. I upload it to our Patreon members. If it's Monday, Tuesday, whatever, you know, we've kind of geared towards trying to get it up early, then yes. Then come Thursday, it's there for everybody else. So we, we try to make a little value for our Patreon members. So thank you again, man. And, and, uh, Caleb, uh, you know, Stovall Wrestling Network, I just recently called up. Uh, I've been trying to get my miles in. Uh, yes. so, uh, you know, with me not spending any time in the car driving to work, you know, I got, I listen to podcasts when I'm, uh, when I'm, running it's really just a brisk walk but uh so i've just <laughs> recently called up there's three uh very recent episodes of stovall wrestling network out there to catch up on uh anything uh coming up that uh you know you want to clue us in on and uh you know tell everybody where they can listen to you yeah um i'm every tuesday uh is 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 what we shoot for uh at least sometimes um our schedules don't really collide and so sometimes it'll be the day after but uh but it's usually every Tuesday uh, you can expect a brand new episode um, and you can find them anywhere. Google Play, um, Spotify, iTunes and iHeartRadio, uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can find the Stovall Wrestling Network. Of course, I'll talk about the present like uh, this coming or well, probably when this airs, you know, it, it'll be something else. Uh, so. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I talk about what's going on today um, and stuff like that. I talk about um, possibly what could be, you know, the future. And then, of course, I love to talk about the past, um, past wrestling events. You know, uh, we recently just covered some ECW events. We covered um, uh, Hardcore Heaven 99 on one of them. So, and that one was a fun pay-per-view. So uh, anytime you want to hear more wrestling talk and stuff like that, uh, just check me out. The Stovall Wrestling Network podcast from TMB Studios. Well, thanks, as always, for being on, Caleb, as well. Uh, you can catch this show um, every Sunday night on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, 8 p.m., uh, you can check us out on uh, the YouTube channel is Entertainment Evolved, which is just a one-stop platform for all sorts of different podcasts. So definitely check out Entertainment Evolved on Facebook. Check them out on YouTube. We have some huge topics coming up. Dark Side of the Ring has just uh, announced they're going to do a Owen Hart episode. So we'll definitely be looking forward to covering that. And our next guest on the show, uh, so this is definitely one that people are going to be paying attention to. Stephen Platinum is actually going to be our next guest. So, um, you know, some exciting things in the past and in the future uh, for an Evolved Review. So thank you for joining me, gentlemen. This has been an Evolved Review. <laughs>